We wish you a full Ashleimah Letmima Emuna Bat Davida Malka Abriu Tova Lekol Abishvacha Davida was a student of ours years and years ago frightens me to think how old I am and any event we're up to the parish of Tvarim Dvarim, everybody knows that Dvarim comes before Tisha Ba'av. But all of these parashiyot that were about, starting from Pinchas, right? Pinchas? After Pinchas is, uh, what comes after Pinchas? Ma? Matot Masei. Dvarim, Vaitchanan. All of these parashiyot about Eretz Israel, starting from Pinchas. Pinchas, there's a counting. Bnei Israel are counted again in Pinchas for the purposes of Nachala, of somehow attributing portions of Eretz Yisrael to them. And, then, and that continues, that continues throughout the entire book of Tvarim, actually. I mean, if you subtract the mitzvot that are in the book of Tvarim, the stories are, are all about going to Eretz Yisrael, being in Eretz Yisrael, the danger of Eretz Yisrael, I mean, all of this is part of what's going on. So in this week's parasha, maybe we'll start from the pre-tzadik. There's an interesting pre-tzadik at the end of Masay, which is on the sheet that you have before you. So it says, this is what it says in the Pasuk, Eilu Shemot HaNashim HaShayin Chalu Lachem Eilu Shemot HaNashim Asher now everybody knows, everybody knows that Eretz Yisrael was divided up amongst the Shvatim by Moshe Rabbeinu, who divided up, who gave out uh, the land of Reuven, God, and Chatzis Shevet Menasheh, and the rest in Eretz Kinaan on the western side of the Jordan River, by Yoshua Binun. <coughs> but the Pasuk says, Elazar HaKohen Yoshua Binun. And it's not clear, uh, at least not obvious, what Elazar HaKohen, what exactly his job is in Chalukat Eretz Yisrael. And this is the question, this is the question that, uh, uh, that Rav Tzodok asks. He says, Lincholet Haaretz, that's the end of the Pasuk. Hinei Hanesiim, Hema Yuhaman Chilim Li Yisrael. He says, I know what the Nesiim did. They were Manchilim Li Yisrael. They were Manchilim Li Yisrael. Are you coming for this year or for some other year? What? Oh, downstairs. Usually, usually he's downstairs. Mm-hmm. The princes of each tribe had something to do with actually getting the land for B'nai Yisrael. That is to say, they clarified what each family received. Here it says kol echad, but it means the, the actual division was a division by families. Ach uh, 
היינו לכבוש את הארץ ביד הכנענים, something called נחלה, something called making it yours, inheriting it, inheriting it. He says, לכבוש את הארץ ביד הכנענים, זה היה על ידי יהושע בלבד. So we now know the Nesiyim, they're the ones who represented the families in the tribe in getting the land. Yoshua, he led B'nai Yisrael to conquering the land. And each of these notions have halachic implications, right? Kibush and Nachalot. Ve'elazar, but Elazar, lo yetzal milchama. Elazar didn't go to fight for B'nai Yisrael, at least as far as we know. He wasn't It wasn't lo yitzal milchama, velo huzkar kan, and 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 so lama. I'm sorry, lama huzkar kan. So why is Elazar mentioned? Or another way of saying that is, what was his job? Right again, the pasuk says, Elazar kohen v'yoshua benun. Furthermore, furthermore, it says lama v'od kodav liyoshua v'od. Furthermore. His name is mentioned in the Pasuk before Yehoshua's name, which might indicate that he was more important than Yehoshua. Might indicate. And even though it says in the Pasuk, Yamod means to stand, to be placed, to be placed before. Ve'ita ha'kavod eino zaz mi'beit avicha Right, that the kavod, kavod, honor, does not move away from the house of your fathers. Sha'af Yehoshua she'omei takhtecha lifnei Elazar kohen yamod This is like a, like a nudniki question where he tries to say that Yehoshua should get first uh, reference over Elazar. So he like strengthens the question. So he says, That's only in order to function as the Kohen. The Kohen uh, had this ability to read the Urim V'tumim. Right? Urim V'tumim? Uh, even before Yale University, there were Urim V'tumim. And the Urim V'tumim directed B'nai Yisrael, directed B'nai Yisrael whether to go to war, not to go to war. As, <coughs> and so it was the Kohen who had jurisdiction. He was the one who read the Urim V'tumim and made sure that they would be, uh, that they would be understood. And that you had to go to Elazar. So this, the the um, pre-Tzaddik is trying to say that. Yes, I know that Elazar was a very important person, and that he was in charge of the Urim v'Tumim. Aval lo linchol v'lichbosh. But this has nothing to do with inheriting the land and conquering it. The people who are involved in in in, in inheriting the land and conquering the land were Moshe Rabbeinu, Yehoshua, Nisim. That's what there was. Elazar was not part of this process because you didn't have to ask the Urim Bitumim 
whether to conquer the land or not. Moshe Rabbeinu, after all, directed them, right? As he directed them in all other things as well. So, lo even though it, it, uh, it would seem that Alpiv goes back to Elazar in the Pasuk, it really comes, uh, uh, it really is about Yoshua, the Moshe Pirish Rashi. So if you just stop for a minute and turn over the page, and then do you see the last Pasuk on the page? Uh, see the last Pasuk, Perik, uh, Bamidbar Perikav, that's the Pasuk that the Pritzadik is referring to. The Pasuk says, right, You know, these ver verbs are always difficult. Right? Verbs are always difficult because you use them a lot, so they have like different meanings in different places. That, you, that he will stand before Elazar HaKohen. So who's he? And we'll ask, and he will ask him, what is the decision, the determination of the Urim? Urim is short for Urim Betumim. Lifnei Hashem, right? What, so that's Yeshua will speak to Elazar and will ask him about the Urim Betumim. And then it says in the Pasuk, in accordance to the answer that you get from the Urim Betumim, You'll either go to war, or you'll cease from war. Who, another pronoun, right? He, you have to kind of figure out who that is. Bechol b'nei Yisrael ito, all of b'nei Yisrael with him bechol ha'ida. Bechol ha'ida, all of the ha'ida, who the ha'ida is, as opposed to b'nei Yisrael, is a problem. Not a problem, but you know, it's something you have to think about. Rashi. This question that you ask, that the kavod, that this kind of special relationship that you have, mi beit avicha, sha'af Yoshua yehet tzarich le'elazar, <laughs> so that's what the Pasuk is saying. The Pasuk is saying that even though, even though Yoshua inherited the mantle of Moshe Rabbeinu, he has a certain limit. There are certain limits, and that limit is the inheritance of El Azar from his father, Aaron HaKohen. <coughs> so that Kuhuna limits Malchut. That's what this Pasuk says. Malchut is all-powerful, but there are certain decisions that can only be made by Kahuna, by the Urim V'tumim. This is called checks and balances, right? That's how the Torah sees checks and balances. So, V'sha'alo, uh, Rashi, V'sha'alo, Yoshua will ask, Right? When he has to go to war, Yoshua will go to El Azar. 
על פיו של אלעזר, על פיו של אלעזר, he'll go to war, על פיו של אלעזר, he'll refrain from war. And then Rashi says, וכל העדה has to do with the Sanhedrin, this takes us away from our topic. But you understand that Rashi thought that this was a problem. Like what v'chol ha'ida, v'chol ha'ida means. I mean, it's in the Gemara, but <coughs> that's not the point. The point is that it's a difficulty. You wouldn't know what kol ha'ida is unless somebody told you. So let's go back to the pre-tzadik. Let's go back to the pre-tzadik. The pre-tzadik says, he says, uh, I'm, on, I'm in the sixth line. That Yoshua will go to Elazar to ask him this question. That's what it says at the beginning of that passage that we just read. So, so, so Ratzonik takes every word of the Pesach very seriously. You can say, uh, you can say the Pesach says, the Pesach says, Lefneel, as I call it, Yamod. What is Yamod? He'll stand. What does that say, stand? Or he'll sit, or he'll kneel, or he'll lie. I mean, what difference does it make? The point is that he's getting direction from Elazar. So he said, Lama Nitzrach La'amod Lifnei Elazar Kohen? Yishalo. He could ask him, What does the Pesach have to say? Ya'amod. What do we learn from that? Achenyanhu. Al derech masha amru bipara aduma. Dekhtiv. This is a, a drasha that has to do with para. Aduma, which you remember from the parasha of Chukat. V'shachat ota lefanav, sh'yeh zeh shorchet ve'lazaro'eh. Zedinji di Gemara. The Gemara says that anybody can check the para'aduma, but Elazar has to see it. He has to connect to what's going on by looking. Elazar, uh, uh, so the Pritzadik says, I don't say the Gemara. Why should Elazar stand there and look at the Paraduma being slaughtered? Like, what difference does it make? Like, we know that halacha is that certain things that only the Kohen can do in the Beit HaMikdash. And some things that Zar can do as well. So in this case, the Gemara says, Zar Shochet. What is Elazar Ro'eh? What, what, what could that possibly mean? So he says, Acha Eisek Shel Paraduma. So everybody knows this, that Paraduma, this red heifer, who litaken kilkul ha'egel, comes to fix the problem of the egel azahav of the golden calf. Kemosha Amru Tavo Para Utechaper Al Ha'egel. This is what it says, Chazal say, that the paraduma somehow is an atonement for the ego, whatever that means. Not, not our issue. Not our issue. Our issue is Elazar. That's our issue. 
So he says, Hainu. Shebepatan Torah Nemar Az. Ani Amati. Elohim Atem. Delo Havu Maiti. Kimosha Ruba Vodazara. Vachaka Kilkaltem. Maasechem. Achenka Adam Temutun. At first it was sort of agreed that you would never die, that nobody would ever die. But then you messed up, and so death came into the picture. Somehow purifies those who become to me a mate, who become unclean because they come into contact with the dead bodies. Nitkan, or nitakein, or nitkan, hakilku b'shorish. So somehow this takes care of the problem of uh, the kilkul of Egel Hazahav. Further, Litakain Achet Bashorish. So what do I mean when I say, this is what Sodik said, what do I mean when I say Nitkan Achet Bashorish? That the root of the hate which caused people to die. Right, to live and to die. Nitkan achet b'shoresh nitzrach sheyye elazar ro'eh kemoshe amarnu. Oh, a new idea, an idea. Remember the Gemara says, zar shochet, anybody can slaughter the paraduma, but elazar has to look. That's one part. Second part is para aduma, para aduma somehow uproots the essential hate of Egel Azahav. Right? So the conclusion is, well, like not conclusion, but the way he puts it out is that the reason that the para aduma can uproot the root of the hate of, uh, of Egel Azahav is because El Azar is looking at it. Because he's looking at it. That somehow it's a job. It does something. It's not Stam Shita. It's not Stam Akorban. It's looking. And it's the looking that does it. So if you look, so we continue now, he says, Kemosha Amarnu Amadechdev, Vayar Elokim et Aor Kitov. That's a posuk in Breshit. We'll look at it in a second. Vayar lukim it or kitov. Or kitov. Vayar. Vayar. What does vayar mean? He saw it. Elazar. He saw the paraduma. Akarish Bohu. He saw the or. He saw the light. He saw it. Peyush. Shayidei riyat Hashem yitbarach Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw in the creation Kiviachol, so to speak, that was itself a action. In, in other words, it's a verb, right? Let's turn over the page. Back to it. Here. Here, here, here. Where is it? Where is it? No, don't turn the page. It's on the same side. Stop. 
See where it says Pasuk Dalit? Vayar Elohim et Orki. You have to understand how Rapsodog works. When you see these words, Vayar Elohim et Orki Tov, you say to yourself, Oh, and God saw. Like, surprise, surprise. There's Or, and the Or is Kito. Ratzodah says, that's ridiculous. Vayar Elohim et Or means, and God did something to the Or. And what did God do to the Or? He Vayard it. That's what he did to it. Right? Vayar Elohim et Or Kitov. Just like the continuation of the Pasuk says, Vayavdel Elohim, Bein Vayavdel Elohim means that God did something, separated the light from the darkness. I, mean, I, I don't, don't, don't mean to say I understand what that means, but we all are sympathetic to the idea that Vayavdel means to do something, and Vayar, not so much. But Rav Sodik says that Vayar means, and God did it. He did, he did Vayar. So look at Pasuk Dalit. Yeah? What you're saying is amazing because that's exactly the Copenhagen understanding of physics. Say that again? That's exactly what? It's, there was a great debate in Copenhagen about 100 years ago. And the whole question was does looking at it bring it to existence? Does looking at anything make a change in, in, in it? And the answer is essentially. Oh, you mean Barclay? What? Barclay. Barclay is the name of an English philosopher. Not Einstein. Barclay is before Einstein. He walked into a tree. Yeah, you're talking about Einstein? He's talking about Heisenberg? Anti-Semite. Okay, Heisenberg and Schrodinger. I read that book. I tried to read it. Very fat book. That's all I remember. It's a fat book. Yes, true. But I want you to understand. <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that Rapsodic knew physics. But I think he said something that is important. And that is like, like, uh, like words have layers upon layers of meaning. So again, look at the Rashi. Pasuk Dalit, Rashi. For this we also have to use a, this is like a Rashi problem. You know that Rashi in Breshit and Noach, the first two parashiot of the Torah, very often says, Medrash Agadah. He says, like, you, can't, you can't handle this posog unless you adopt the comment in the Agadah, in the non-halachic sources. That's what he says. He saw, he Hashem, saw that the or was too good for the world because the world would have wicked people in it. And, and the or and the wicked people just didn't get along. Vivdilo, 
and he set it aside for the righteous. Latid Lavo. Now, of course, the question is, Rashi doesn't explain when is Latid Lavo? And where exactly is the light that God put away, Latid Lavo? So generally, I think when you learn the Rashi, if you learn the Rashi, you know we read this Parashat Simchas Torah, right? The Simchas Torah, the thing that defines Simchas Torah is that no one learns any Torah on Simchas Torah. We've got it worked out. It's impossible, no how much you try, you just can't, you can't do it. It's terrible. So, <coughs> what? It's, it's terrible. It's an insult to Parashat It would seem to be counterindicated. Right. You have to say it in a so way, but, but in a, a that uh, people are so interested in uh, sponge cake that uh, <laughs> they would do anything not to learn Torah, you know. So here we have it, Latid Lavo. We don't know what Latid Lavo, what Latid Lavo is. Now if you go back to the Rapsodok, let's go back to Rapsodok. Rapsodok says here, it's line 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. The second word on the line. How do you fix the chait of Egel Azahab in a kind of essential manner? Like you uproot it. Uproot is a strong word. It's important that Elazar should see it. That the first one, the author of Riyah, the author of, or the, what did Kabbalah say? The address? You know, like, where does Riyah come from? Where does it come from? It comes from this possum. And as God did something to the light. And what was the pu'ulah, the, 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 the action that God took? What was it? It was looking. God looked at the light, strange as that may be. And so the Ratzonik says, that it was because of looking that the Orkitov was put wherever it was put. Right? So now if we look again at the first part of the Pasuk in Breshit. It says, Breshit You see that Pasuk? On the top of the page. Omar Rabbi Yitzchak. Omar Rabbi Yitzchok, for many years, people thought that the Rabbi Yitzchok that was referred to was Rashi's father, but apparently it is not. It's Rabbi Yitzchok found in the Tanchuma. There are two Tanchuma, Tanchumas, right? One is the regular Tanchuma, and the other one is the less regular Tanchuma, which used to be called the Buber Tanchuma. It used to be called that because Buber found the Buber's grandfather, Martin Buber. Martin Buber was a philosopher who taught in the Hebrew University and looked very firm but wasn't. And uh, so his grandfather looked firm and was. 
and he had this thing about collecting manuscripts and publishing them. So he published a version of the Tanhuma that he found. He just you know, published it. And then it was called Buber Tanhuma. But you know what happens? The name became, uh, the name Buber became unsavory to many, as, uh, especially people who might learn it. Uh, and so, uh, so it was called, it was renamed as Tanhuma Yashan or Tanhuma Bet. And now if you buy a Tanhuma, a regular Tanhuma, you will have Buber's Tanhuma in it, like a separate part, but under a different name, a slightly different name. So this is a quote from Buber Tanhuma. That's what I mean to say. That's how we got to all of this. Omar Rabbi Yitzchak, lo Torah this is a theological argument of great significance, right? Rabbi Yitzhak said the Torah should have started from a mitzvah. The Torah is about mitzvot, it's not about stories, right? So he says, Me'achodesh Zelachem, Shu mitzvah rishonah, Tavu ba Yisrael. I mean, there are mitzvot in the book of Bereshit, but they are two individuals, by Pruervu and Gidan Hashem. But the first mitzvah that was given to Am Yisrael was a Chodesh Zelachem, right in the parish of Bo. Bo, is it Bo? So he says, Matam Patak Bebreishit. So why did the Torah start from the story of the creation of the world? I mean, after all, it doesn't make any difference how the world was created. If a person believes that God created the world, I mean, it doesn't make any difference if he knows the details of how God created the world. At least you could make that argument. But he says, Because there's a Pesach that says, God's power is, is uh, divulged to Amo, to, his, to the nation, right? But creation is power. And all of creation is God's power. So why is this important for us to know? Because if the nations of the world come and they say to B'nai Israel, you are robbers, uh, the way I understand that is, is this. If the seven nations of Canaan come to Yoshua Nun and they said, we're here because God put us here. You are arguing that God said you should kick us out. But your argument is not as good as our argument because we're fixed, we're here. And we wouldn't be here if God didn't want us to be here. So why should we believe you when you say that God <coughs> wants you to kick us out? So that's listim at them. You're stealing it from us. So we can we say back, we say, look, it, it all belongs to God. God decides who the owners are. God decides who the owners are. But this is not such a great, this is not, to, to my mind, may not be such a great argument. I mean, they still say, they're still right, the seven nations. They're there because God put them there. This is, which is why, by the way, I mean, if I was that kind of a person, I would say that's why we have so many problems today. Because we have never resolved this. 
We have never resolved it. It doesn't matter what members of the Knesset say. We have not resolved this, this question uh, to the satisfaction of ourselves or the people in the world. So, uh, so if you put these things, if you put these things together, if you put these things together, it seems to me, it seems to me that uh, <coughs> that the first pasuk in the Torah, the first pasuk in the Torah, teaches us, teaches us that there is a renewal, that things can start over again, and it's not always the way. It was. And you can't make that argument. And you can't make that argument. Now, if that were true, that you can't make the argument that there is no renewal, that everything should stay the same, that whatever God decided once is, <coughs> is, a, permanent, is a permanent kind of decision. If you say that, if you, if you make that argument, you have to say, what is the indicator that things can start off again. What indicates that things can renew themselves? That there can be a renewal? This is an idea that is true for Torah, for example. People say, say it about Torah, but I'm talking about the Bria itself. What argument can we make for saying that Bria, that the creation of the world goes through renewals. So that's in Pasuk Dalit. That God took the light and put it away. And put it away, started over again. Right? And what is it that makes you start over again? Or enables you to start over again? The look of things. The looking at something. That word means a new start. A new beginning. It's all new. So if that is true, <coughs> if that is true, then that means that the way we started was, why does Yoshua have to stand before Elazar? What is Yoshua and Elazar? Yoshua the Nesiyim, Moshe Rabbeinu, Yoshua the Nesiyim, what do they have to do with Elazar? What do they have to do with Elazar? It's true, as the pre-Tzadik says, when you go to war, or you refrain from war. You have to ask the Urimba Tumim, and the Urimba Tumim are the, 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 the provenance of Elazar HaKohen. But now, when Am Yisrael is going to the Eretz Yisrael, why does Yoshua have to accept the authority of Elazar? What is Elazar's job? So what did he say? What did he, the Pritzadik says? His job is to look. He looks at it. And what is looking at it do? It starts it up again. And Rashi says, Rashi says in the first Rashi, he says, I'm uh, sorry, in the Pasuk Dalit, he says, if the low, the or, he set aside the light that Sadikim Latid Lavo. And Latid Lavo could possibly mean Yoshua. When Yehoshua conquered the land, then the re'iyah, this idea that the, everything can start over again, that everything can start anew, that everything can be, uh, uh, can begin, that idea took place when Yoshua said to Elazar, you come with us. We need you. 
because we don't want to simply conquer the land because that's something that doesn't have any permanence to it as history has indicated. No conquest is, uh, is forever. I mean, it would seem. But we want the conquest of Eretz Israel to be forever. In order for the conquest of Eretz Israel to be forever, it has to be new. The conquest has to be something that never happened before, that never was before. That was that the person the person says Vayar applying to the project of Eliezer and Yoshua in the conquering or conquest of Eretz Israel, I think. Okay. I know it's early, but... No, I don't understand, though, why looking at the, um, uh, at, the, at the sacrifice makes it new again. No, it says, it, his point was that it uproots something, min ha-shoresh. It changes the reality. It doesn't, it, it, you know, it's like the hate of the paraduma of the Egel HaZahav didn't exist. Doesn't exist anymore. So that's like an idea that people say, like, what happened to it? I mean, I, want to, I didn't want to go into that too much because you know that the Pasuk says that we're going to be continuously punished for the Egel HaZahav. But this is an idea that he gleans from the, the, the Talmudic sources. It's like kind of like a rewind or a reset. Maybe, not my words. It's like it's like a new beginning. It's like the thing really starts from now. That explains what Rashi says in Breishit that you somehow there's a there's a now to things. That the argument that this, that the uh, nations come and they say to the Jews, "You're listed. You stole it from us." So really what we answer them is we say, no, it starts from us. There is nothing before us, at least conceptually, right? Because Elazar looked, and by looking, it was, it was a, a way of starting everything over again, a new start. So, so you said Latin Lavo is uh, Vimeo. Could be, could be, okay, yeah. Okay, but does, is that something that happens periodically? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you could imply whatever you imply from it. Right? But I think that the problem that the pre-Tzaddik is dealing with is this idea of permanence. Like, what makes something permanent in the eyes of God? Like, how, does, how do you distinguish between an accidental reality and permanent That That's a problem that we have today, right? People all over, Jews all over the world have to make a decision about where permanence is. Is it all over the world or is it in Eretz Israel? I mean, it's, like it's like an issue. It's an issue that we, have, that we as a nation have difficulty with. I mean, I'm not trying to, uh, to argue a case, but at the time of Yeshua, there was no question about it. Everybody was going to Eretz Israel. It was not a, the question that people had. As I always say, I always tell you that the, the spies that Yeshua sent Remember those spies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so they, they what? So the ones who visited Rahab. Right, they, they, they met up with Rahab, which is an interesting side point. 
and they made a deal with her. They made a deal, she'll save them, and they'll save her and her family. When they come to Eretz Yisrael, they went back to Yoshua and they reported. It was hard to understand what, what it was exactly that they were going to report, because after all, they didn't do anything. They came to Yericho, they were, they were set upon by the soldiers, by the police. So what were they going to report to Yoshua exactly? You think they came to see where the strength was, what the roads are, how to, how to get here, how to get there. <coughs> so what they told Yoshua was what Rachav told them. And what Rachav told them was, we know who you are. You're coming in the name of God. So if I extrapolate from that, or if I inverse it somehow, if the answer to Yoshua's question is, did is your Jewish question is, what do they think of us? Not, not to spy out the land, but find out what they think of us. So the answer was, they think we're coming in the name of God. So it's like Yoshua said, that's what I want. I don't want them to think we're just murderers who are coming from Mongolia to take over Greece. Right? We're not like that. We're doing what God wants us to do, but it only works if they know that, if they understand who we are. And so the spies came back to Yoshua and they said, they know. They know who you are. They know what it is. If you look at the Barak Aleph in Yoshua, <coughs> a half Torah that we read twice a year, yeah, so you should, you, you'll take a look at the half Torah. You see it's there. It's black and white. It's not something that, uh, that I'm making up. So, so Yoshua wanted, in, in, in other words, the, in order for the conquest somehow to take, to be real, to change the face of the world, everybody had to understand what the issue was, including the Canaanites. The Shiva Amame. Okay, thank you. See that? They took the testimony of a woman. Rahab? Yeah. Not, not divorcing her husband. Anyway, they, she was wrong. About what? If everybody knew they came in the name of God, they wouldn't have to fight. Well, I guess not everybody was convinced. But that was the conversation. That's what they said to Yoshua. That's what they said to Yoshua.